Hello and welcome to an all new Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed. And today we have a, a two special guests, people I've known for quite a while. Uh, they are retailers. So if you're used to watching Deep Cuts, you know, uh, we have lots of uh, cigar makers on the show and entrepreneurs of that sort. But retail is a very important part of uh, any business, so any field. So we're going to very get a very interesting um, perspective, I believe, from the two guests that we have on today. So our guests are Ian and Rebecca Harvey, and they are the uh, operators of Smokers Abbey in Austin. So let me bring them on. It was a bit of a tongue twister. I was like, it, it was getting that, that whole phrase in there. So, so how are you all? We're good. How are you? I'm doing yeah. well. Um, as I was and we were kind of talking about this a few moments ago when we went live, but, you know, as I put together this podcast and show, I wanted it to be a little bit different in that I wanted to get some retailers involved in the show because I think retail is such an important part of this specific, when we're talking about like the premium cigar industry, retailers are so, like I said, so very important. And, um, we don't hear from them a lot <laughs> you, and, and it's a completely different kind of relationship. And I see you all as kind of being on the front front lines of this whole business because the manufacturers make this product, but it's such a small industry that lots of the manufacturers don't even have like a large uh, sales force. So they can't always be at your store every week. Uh, sometimes they can't even be there every month and you're kind of left, on your own to kind of sell these products that you bring in. And I know that that's probably a lot more challenging than people think, because I, especially with the cigar world, there's so many choices out there and they all kind of look the same. And, and if you read the reviews, they're all kind of the same, like you have the same experience. So um, I, I definitely want to get your story and get your perspective on how this all is working for you. So like I said, thank you for coming on today. And, and sharing your insight. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're, we're excited to oh. be. Yeah, it was funny because like the last time I saw you two was a couple weeks ago in, in Vegas. We're yeah. all at the um, PCA trade show. And um, I think that's where this kind of idea came from because you, you go to these trade shows and you know, and here it's all about the retail. It's all about the retailer. And, and then it kind of makes you wonder though, what happens after the show is over? Like, does that kind of same mentality kind of hold up or is it just kind of like until that, that trade show season when you kind of pop up? Um, and I know that there's lots of manufacturers that are probably better at it than others, but I, I, I just, you know, really think that uh, getting your side of the story and what it's like to be a retailer today, especially uh, I would say, um, you know, AC, as I call it, after COVID <laughs> would definitely be interesting. So um, to begin with, though, could you just tell us a little bit about you two, how you all kind of came into the whole retail world and how you came into um, Smokers Abbey? Um, well, we've uh, we've been married for for quite some time and we've worked together um, several times. Um throughout our, our careers. And uh, we had gotten to a place uh, about six years ago where uh, two of the careers that we had been really putting a lot of ourselves into had kind of come to an end. 
um, my time in the ministry and uh, also our time in kind of the music industry. And um, so we were looking at what our next steps were and um, pretty much the whole time during our marriage, um, I had been um, uh, really enjoying cigars and really cut my teeth when I was in college, like uh, being around cigar lounges and, and stuff like that. And Rebecca had always really been into pipes. And um, so we, we had kind of had this, this thought of in the area that we were in, we didn't really have anything like what we, like what we ended up building. Um, um, an atmosphere that was, uh, the idea was to be welcoming and kind of inclusive, um, but also have a lot of uh, heart and ingenuity behind it. Um, and in the area that we were, like I said, in the area that we were in, we just didn't have that. So we, we started kind of the process from there. Um, a friend that I had known through um, the music world and the ministry world, um, we knew had opened up a cigar lounge in Nashville uh, many years prior to us even talking about this. And um, we reached out to him or I reached out to him, uh, Josh Stump, and just uh, originally called to ask him advice on how to, uh, you know, own a cigar shop, <laughs> how, how you even really get started on that. We ended up talking for probably about 45 minutes to an hour about our vision for like the atmosphere and for what we wanted to accomplish. And at the end of it, he just kind of said like, look, we're, uh, it sounds like we should do something together because it sounds like your vision is very in line with ours. And, um, so what we ended up doing is kind of creating this, uh, we are the second smokers Abbey, but we, we kind of created more of a partnership, uh, I'd mm -hmm. say rather than what most people would traditionally think of as like a franchise or mm -hmm. a second location or something like that, where we, we share a lot of ideals and a lot of, um, processes, but, uh, we definitely run our own shops our own way. Um, that was five years ago. And in that time we've, uh, really, I think all, all of the shops, there are three of them now have really evolved into their own, uh, they, they kind of meet the culture of where they, where they are. We're very Austin <laughs> and we can't be anything. We're not, um, Josh's shop, Josh and Nate's shop is very Nashville. Like if you walk in that place, it is like Nashville. And then <laughs> Sean Payne's shop in Memphis is, is very reflective of the Memphis culture too. So I think, uh, yeah, so so that's how we got started, and um, and, and then it kind of evolved from there. So you, you, you kind of answered some of the questions of, of how did you, you know, when you were looking to open the store, you know, you, you had somebody you could turn to for advice. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that there was still a lot more stuff that you had to kind of learn on your own. Like that person couldn't just took, take all of their years of experience and just like, say, here you go, like, and you just like absorb it automatically. You go, oh, okay. Like, what was that, you know, well, those, those early days? Like, what were some of the issues that you kind of had to deal with that maybe you weren't prepared for? Well, there were, I mean, it was, it was a multiple thing. What the first is, is that what a lot of people don't understand about our industry, maybe from a customer point of view, or if you're looking to get into doing this, is that 
you can talk to a hundred people that are awesome retailers, but different states have different processes for doing all of this stuff. Um, different taxes, different uh, licenses that you have to carry. And so that was one of the first like hard things because Josh and them really couldn't advise us on that because they had no, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't have any uh, experience with the Texas comptroller. Mm-hmm. So we, we now have a lot of experience with the Texas comptroller because we've had to engage with them quite a bit. Um, uh, second is, is that I think one of the biggest fallacies of our industry, as far as education is that we do not talk enough about, and we'll probably go over this in a little while too, but we do not talk enough about ventilation. Um, we talk a lot about product. We talk a lot about sales. We talk a lot about running them hot deals, but we do not talk enough about how to balance the air in your, in your cigar lounge and how to create an environment that's not going to encroach on, on your neighbors if you have neighbors. Um, so that, that was something we, we faced very early on, uh, which is ultimately why we are not in our original space. Um, and, and then it, uh, one of the other things that we didn't, that wasn't really covered in the book, whatever book was sent to us, was uh <laughs> was no book was uh you know when we when we opened smokers abbey in uh the austin nobody knew who we were we were it's not like i had been a lounge rat like i said there really wasn't a place for me to go so it's not like i had some bevy of people that i just pulled from other lounges mm-hmm. uh, but uh when when you when you're kind of coming into it cold um, there are a lot of things. It, it, what's interesting about customers is that they expect you to be every place they've ever been and, uh, and have be it the way that you treat them or the rules or the type of stuff that you carry. We just weren't really prepared for kind of we- some of the weird animosity we got when we first opened. Um, and, and so we, we just had to kind of work through some of those things and some of those things just took time and us, uh, pushing, you know, and, and just continuing to grow and, 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 and adapt. Um, obviously the comptroller thing, we, we had to just adapt by doing what they told us to, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean the, and, and I, I think those first two things though are, 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 if you're looking to get into this, know what your state is re- going to require of you. And the thing is, the crazy thing is they won't tell you, but they'll, you'll find out when you don't, when you do something wrong, um, and ventilation, like, uh, I think we need to talk more at the trade show and, in any meetings that are happening with retailers, because I've talked to over a hundred retailers now and nobody's happy with their ventilation, like a hundred percent, like nobody's like, oh yeah, we got it on lock. Like maybe Romacraft. Because their place is beautiful, but uh, nobody's really happy. So we need to start talking about it more and like how to fix that problem. But yeah, that's. I think the only other thing I'd add is that when we first got started, I think the the small business administration likes to make themselves look like they're here to help you, and they're here to like we're going to help you start a business. 
not true. So <laughs> it's like Especially you fill out all the paperwork and all that stuff. And they're like, you have no, you have no experience running a business. I'm like, no, that's why I need your help. They're like, well, where's all the money that you're bringing into the business? I'm like, once again, that's why I need your help. And so it took us quite honestly, it took us until COVID to kind of like COVID was a really nice reset and like gave us some time to get everything organized and like going in a good direction, but it took us almost five years to kind of get the financial aspect of opening a brand new business from nothing up and going and organized. So now on the, the subject of the, the ventilation, because I've heard this a lot from retailers when I interview them, um, you know, and they always hype up, you know, the ventilation system. But I know probably as a customer, you don't, like I said, when you walk into it, like when I walk into a, a store, I'm just thinking about what I'm there to buy or what the product and, and not so much, you know, probably the ventilation, but especially in a cigar store kind of situation with a lounge where people can sit and they can smoke their product there, um, which is very important because, you know, um, providing people with a space where they can actually enjoy the product is like, you know, key to the retail space, especially in the tobacco industry. Um, right. But you don't hear about the ventilation part a lot as a consumer. And maybe that's why it kind of, the industry is kind of like shaky in that area because the whole focus is on the product. Like give them, right. give the consumer something new that they can come in and buy. Oh, we're, we're releasing this. It's going to be limited edition. It's going to drive people in. But the ventilation part, like you said, is like if you walk into a cigar store of very poor ventilation and people are smoking in there, like you you notice <laughs> and it affects your it affects your mentality. Like you might love the retailer, but you might say, Oh, like, you know, I I can't go in there early on, like before I go to work, because I'm gonna come out smoke, you know, smelling like an ashtray or right. You know, I need to, to plan my day around when I'm going to be in here so I can take a shower afterwards and all this other stuff. Um, so just for those people who, who might be like, I said, might just be, um, you know, simple consumers who might not know what you talk about when you say ventilation. Can you explain to them kind of in a simple way what the ventilation situation is for a cigar lounge? Like, what are you kind of looking for? What do you have to have in place in order to kind of <laughs> or is it even are you even able to answer that? Well, okay, so 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 when you're when you're building a place, right, and you don't have any like we, we built things differently when we did our second thing, like this. Mm -hmm. This okay. is different. But when we were building our first place, the only thing that you can go off is what you're cool with, like what 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 you would want, right? I I've been in bands for I did I fronted hardcore bands for like twelve years. I've been to hundreds and hundreds of concerts. I, I I don't care about smoky rooms. I've never cared about them. Like, I like it. Like, it, it you know, like, a concert doesn't smell like a concert to me unless there's way too many people smoking cigarettes, you know. So, smoky rooms have never bothered me, and I've always had the mentality of, if you walk into a coffee shop and it doesn't smell like coffee, you should leave um, because they're not doing well or they're not making, or they're not they're you know? So, so that was my mentality and it still is a little bit of my mentality, but basically the, the, the ventilation idea is 
it's it's twofold or it's just one step for most people and the first is is that we're producing smoke when we light these things up we're burning we're burning leaves and um we in a room in a contained room you need to somehow get that smoke out otherwise you create a, a fog machine in your shop so the easiest way to do that is to put vent fans in and have them draw the smoke out and put it out the, the roof or the wall or whatever um however you do that the second step is and that sounds really simple but that's not as simple as it sounds uh um the second step is is uh actually cleaning the air uh filtration uh and that's i think the filtration part is where a lot of retailers we kind of divide a little bit because like Mm -hmm. i said i don't mind that my place smells like cigars because we're a cigar lounge and that's kind of what it's supposed to smell like. But there, there are some places that are very high end and want to allow you to smoke a cigar in their place. And you did never know that anybody else was smoking a cigar in there. So they, so they employ a lot of, a lot of filtration systems, uh, which we have, but we don't use very often because we often don't need them. Um, that actually scrub the air and try to remove some of the smoke particulates from the air so that it either doesn't smell as bad or that the air is actually cleaner. Um, and I think kind of depending on the person, it all is a personal preference. Like some guys are like, Oh my gosh, my eyes are burning. And I'm like, bro, you're the only one smoking in here. Um, <laughs> and then there are other people that will sit, in the midst of like nine people and they're like, man, it looks really clear in here. Like it just, it's kind of a, a thing, but I think the basic idea is that you want to be able to not, you, you want to be able to kind of see somewhat clearly through your space at any given time and create a space where people um, are not just choking on other people's cigar smoke. Um, and the, the biggest issue with that is that there is no like base level one size fits all mm-hmm. ventilation filtration situation because every, every shop is shaped differently. Every they're bigger, they're smaller, they're rectangle, they're square. They have windows. They don't have windows, you know, that type of thing. So it, it it's kind of a, uh, it's one of those things that you really have to, install what you think you need at the beginning and then kind of figure it out as you go, which means that you have a lot of people going, Oh man, it's really smoky here for a while. And then eventually you figure it out. I don't know if we ever figured it out at the last shop. We're still working on it here, but, uh, but it, it's, a, it's an issue and it's what will get you uh, kicked out of a strip center. Yes. Um, that'll, that's like the number one thing that any neighbor for a cigar shop and we're easy to pick on um will complain about and so your ventilation and filtration system is key if you want to get along with your neighbors and not get evicted <laughs> which that story is very common but i'm sure that too like the ventilation system that you know when i speak to retailers it's a major investment it's not something mm-hmm. cheap you know and it no. takes away from 
everything else you can do is it's like you almost it's like a Sophie's choice. It's like, do you spend right. money on a, a great ventilation system? And if you do, then it's like then you have less money to spend on product and everything else you need for the store. So it's just like what how do you choose? And but it's sometimes like you said, depend if you are in a you know situation where you're leasing a space, you probably don't have a choice really to choose. Like you have to figure that part out. <laughs> in our situation with building this shop, and we didn't know it last time, so we didn't do it, but this time it was the humidor, obviously that that's where we make our money. That's where the majority of our money went. And then mm -hmm. ventilation and AC was the very next. Like those were the two priorities. If we can get those two things right, everything else is going to be great. But those two things are the things that have to be at the top quality. So. Yeah. And I mean, there's everything in here is from a thrift store <laughs> as far as like sitting when you're sitting in here it's all secondhand stuff but that that oh, humidor yeah. and that ventilation system we worked really hard on that and uh because and the thing is is like if you have any retailers watching this right now if you're a retailer you're watching this right now and if let's say there's like 20 of you and i say and i'm not telling you the actual number but if i say i spent ten thousand dollars on my ventilation system there's probably at least three of them that are go, huh, that's chump change on what I spent. And so, and when you're, if you're watching this as a consumer and you're wondering, well, why do I have to pay $9 for a cigar? Well, part of that money is going towards that $10,000 that we had 10 to 20 to $80,000 that we had to spend on the, the ventilation because, Stuff's wild, man. Like it's it's super expensive. <laughs> I talked to a retailer last this past weekend that uh, we were comparing stories on. He had just recently finished a build out, and he said that he spent two hundred grand on his ventilation system. Right. And I'm like, wow. yeah, yeah. Like that. <laughs> so that's a thing. If, if you're not keeping <laughs> if you're not keeping track at home, that's a lot of money. That, that's a house. <laughs> House. that's just for the ventilation <laughs> so i mean it's it's that type of thing so yeah um going off of the you were talking about to the consumers just a minute ago and when you made a comment a couple of minutes ago about how when you're starting out you know some of the customers coming in and expecting you to kind of be everywhere at once and maybe having a little bit of animosity towards you when you didn't when you weren't able to be everywhere at once or maybe everything to them that they needed to be um, could you speak a little bit more about that? Because I think that, you know, when I heard like, you know, animostic uh, customers, you, it makes you pause because, you know, you always think, you know, nice customers and, you know, people get along. But, you know, and, and especially in the cigar industry, nobody ever really talks about, you know, when you hear about bad customers, you just think about customers that come in and try to steal from you. But, you know, but, but what were, could you just elaborate a little bit on that? Because I think that's kind of obviously a little bit interesting to me. Yeah. So I, I will say at the beginning that like we have some awesome customers and we have some awesome people that we've, we've built um, a really good culture with over the last five years. Um, so and no, by no means am I saying, hey, somebody's calling the shop before we're open. Um, <laughs> by no means am I saying that it's been a 100 percent across the board thing. But especially at the beginning when we opened up, the main places that were in town that a lot of people, a lot of cigar smokers were 
coming to check us out from were places that had been established for uh, one of them had been there for over 20 years. The other had been there for, for over 10. Um, and so some of the, the uh, practices and the, the habits and the you know, routines that they had gotten used to with those other two places, they just assumed that every place that they went moving forward would do those types of things. An example would be like, I had a guy beat me up one time, not beat me up, but like verbally, um, because I wouldn't, because uh, I wanted to sell him a soda and rent and not give it to him. He's like, well, I bought a cigar. And I said, yeah, and now you're buying a soda. And he said, no, at the other place, they just give me the sodas. And so I, I think that something to understand is that, um, uh, it is great that there are some businesses out there that can give away things that we rely on to make money. Um, and that, that's amazing. I'm glad that they're doing well enough that they can do that. But also understand that as when you're a consumer and you're walking into a new place, kind of view it as you're walking into somebody's home. Mm -hmm. And there are some basic rules that you follow when you walk into somebody's home. But they're also everybody's home is a little different. And, you know, this is completely metaphorical, but in some homes you take off your shoes at the door and some and in some homes you leave them on the whole time. And in some shops, you know, they let you bring in your own cigars and then some shops like us do not. So everything's a little different. So so as a consumer, come in, relax your shoulders, breathe a little bit. And just try to understand what's going on in that particular shop, because the, the reality is, is that they have regulars for a reason, is that there's something good happening in that place and they like it for some reason. So go try to figure that out rather than try to figure out why you don't like how a shop is doing what they're doing, because we're very different than a lot of the places in Austin. Mm -hmm. That's good. They, there's there's different atmospheres that are created in these places and different cultures and different groups of people. But when I go into another shop, I'm not trying to retrofit what I do into somebody else's business model. Like it's it's just different, man. Like come in, chill. This is supposed to be relaxing. Let's let's not uh, let's not greet each other with uh, with uh, with rage and 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 anger <laughs> because I wouldn't give you a soda. Yeah. Um, you, you know, one of the areas of the industry that I'm always curious about is the relationship between the retailer and the manufacturer. Because like I said, you can go to a trade show and you can see how they interact and, and stuff. But that's to me, that's a bubble because I'm sure that once you're back in your own store and there's not a trade show going on and, you know, you made your purchase, it maybe that relationship is a little bit different. So. Um, for you all, like when you're looking to bring in a new product or a new company, um, what is that decision process like? Like what makes you say, um, you know, yeah, let's give you a shot. And, you know, as opposed to like, maybe you're all not a good fit for our, you know, our store and our customers. Right. So on, um, well, you covered a lot of things there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to like wrap my head around like how I start this. So first and foremost, for us, anything that we bring in your product has to be good. That's the baseline. I don't care how cool of a guy you are. 
I don't care how long you've been in the industry. Your, your product has to be good. Um, sorry, we're having a delivery, uh, driving up right as I started to answer this question. But I, I think that that's, that's a key thing is like too many people get so wrapped up in, and I'll come back to relationships in a minute, but relationships do have to be good. And we, and we love having good communication and relationship with people uh, that we work with. But the core of it is that the product has to be good. I have to know that people will respond to it. I have to know that you care about it mm -hmm. and that it does something different and we work a little differently i'm gonna pause for just a sec if that's okay while yeah. they deliver so that we don't have this weird like oh hey what's up <laughs> you know like moment uh i remember where i was though i think good product i'll just keep looking at these two cigars and, and go, good product okay cool cool wonderlust and corto uh he's taking a minute He's got six boxes for Placentia. <laughs> we just got them. So <laughs> I have no idea how we got six boxes. This is the fun part about doing live shows is that you get to see the, the interaction and the, the real stuff happening. So, um, yeah. so this can be another like, uh, <laughs> like a B roll thing. So we move into this new shop and we cannot get UPS to deliver after we open. So we've been having to show up like two hours before we open every day. Oh man. And, uh, and so that we can get our deliveries. I will keep talking. Um, so anyway, product has to be good, but we work a little differently in that our shop like solely focuses on small batch boutique brands. And one of the advantages that we have with doing that is that we are very much directly in contact with the owners and um, the people that are actually making the cigars because it's a smaller team. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that's a luxury that we have because of the type of brands that we focus on. Um, and, and those relationships deepen because Rebecca and I are very much like artist community type people. Um, I, like I said, I was a musician. Uh, Rebecca has been a photographer and artist for ever. And so when we meet people that are like kindred spirits, like we understand those people and we, we, we love building relationships with those people. Well, they're, they're the, those same type of people exist in the, in the cigar industry and James Brown and, uh, Angela and Sebastian Island and Kyle from from Warped and uh, I mean the list goes on and and you know Mike and Skip from from Romacraft, um, they they kind of remind us of all of our artist friends that we used to hang out with except they're wearing more clothes and they have less facial tattoos, um, mm -hmm. and so we build those relationships with those those people as people but then we also respect their art. Um, and we're able to participate in that art by championing them in this room behind me. Um, and so I think relationships are incredibly important, but you have to know that things are going to be different with certain companies. So 
Um, you know, we have a few companies in there that having a relationship with the owner is not necessarily a huge priority. As long as we have a good relationship with our rep and people are enjoying the product, like I said, product has to be good, number one. Um, but for the most part, we look for, can we go past this? We sell your, your tobacco and can we get a little bit more into, um, friendship and, and also community with them so that they can be, they can feel comfortable to come in and have that with our customers as well. And that there's more behind the cigar than just, I wanted to make a rad smoke, you know? Um, but like I said at the beginning, and I'll keep saying it again, they can be the nicest people in the world. And, and I used to run into this in the band world a lot, a lot of nice guys and really, really bad bands. Right. Um, like how was our set? Uh, it was okay. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've had that experience in the cigar community where there have been guys that I have really, really liked as people, but product products just not there for me. So we, we pass in the product. We focus on the relationship. Now, obviously to, I would think to figure out whether a product is good or bad, you have to actually try that product. Uh correct like like as a retailer i know um for some reason on like the between the manufacturer maybe the media like there's a strong relationship between ratings and and you know we'll send you product if you give us a rating and you know and and we you know they aim for a 91 92 whatever right that's what they kind of want and they think i guess the mentality is that rating will pass down to the people the that media person's followers you know it'll create this demand they'll run into the retailers i want this 93 cigar how how much do ratings like that matter to you as a retailer versus like like i said you trying it and saying this is something that you know i feel is going to be a better fit for our customer or not i i think with any rating be it cigar aficionado half wheel Cigar Dojo, whatever. Look for um I knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> Look for oh hold on. Just one placentia box? Just one. Okay, that makes more sense. Uh big box, but makes more sense that it's one. I was like, how much did I order at the trade show? Um when you're looking at, at reviews. Um, if you're a retailer or a consumer, look for a pattern of behavior. Because if there is a reviewer who does not like high-powered, full-bodied cigars, it does not matter if you give him the best one on the market. He will still give it a meh rating over that same company's lightest, chillest, smoothest cigar, he'll give that one like a 93. Uh, and then he'll give the other one like an 80 when really, if you were being fair, the two should have been flipped. Uh, so, so look for bylines. So for me, I, I don't, I, I, I guess I look for um, at ratings for cigars for this agricultural based handmade product. I look at it as one person opinion and I would rather see a larger consensus and then 
for me, I, I, I try everything. So, um, I wholeheartedly have disagreed with a lot of reviews uh, that have come out over the last few years of some of the stuff that's in our humidor. And I have wholeheartedly been surprised about some of the stuff that has gotten super high ratings because mm-hmm. there's been stuff that I was like, yeah, that was good. But I mean, that was a lot better. So I, I think that if you're a retailer, you should be trying everything that's in your humidor. You should have smoked. I, it surprises people when, when I tell them that like I have smoked everything in this humidor. They're like, oh, well, just the, the actual, I was like, no, every size. Like we don't, we, I, I am not going to be the guy that goes like, eh, that's not my, my jam. Like, why would I sell it if I, if I don't know anything about it? Right. So I, I think that as a retailer, you are the, you are the gatekeeper to an amazing experience. And that if you have no idea what that experience is, then you're doing your customers a disservice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. In terms of how you, I mean, this is like the basic, basic, basic question, but in terms of how you actually purchase product, yes. mm-hmm. as consumers, we are thinking about like, if there's a book that comes out that I want to buy, you know, I have the option of going into a physical brick and mortar store, or I can just go online to their stores or, and I have like, brevia choices that I can choose from. Um, and I'm okay sometimes, you know, buying it, you know, online from Target if I don't feel like going to Target having it ordered or whatever. Um, but what is that like for a retailer? Like, do you all order stuff like online? Like, how does, or do you like, um, you know, I know in the olden days of the industry, I don't know if it's still like this, but, you know, people would make catalogs and they would send it to the retailers. People make sales they will send it to them. They'll do the, the transaction over the phone. You know, they do call centers. So there are so many different things. But what is it like today? Like, how do you all actually like buy these these products? Like, how much human interaction? I, I guess I'm asking is is still oh. in the same process. For our because of the cigars that we carry, all of ours is human interaction. Unless I need to have it in writing, I do it all over email. Some is text messaging, some is calling directly to the warehouse manager, something like that. There's no, for the brands that we carry, we don't have any online ordering. There's no like mega person that I talk to. I talk to the same person every time I need to place an order. It's either our rep, it's the owner of the company, or it's their distributor, which I usually deal with warehouse managers. So... And, I, and I'll say that as far as like new products or, or new companies, um, and I'll go on the record as saying this, and I don't, I don't know if this is necessarily a consensus throughout all retailers, but I do know that I feel this way, and I've talked to a other few people that feel this way. Uh, if there's a manufacturer watching, mm-hmm. uh, we never want to find out about your new release through a press, oh through a press uh, release. We want to know about it first. Because here's the reality. Yeah, it's great to send out to try to get the word out about your product to like Half Wheel and and, and uh, Cigar Aficionado and all the thousands of blogs that are out there. But the moment that a customer reads that article, you know who they call, they call or they talk to? The retailer. <laughs> and I have no idea what the product is because sometimes I haven't read every blog that's out there that morning because I'm trying to get my kid to school. 
<laughs> or I don't know what it is because I, I was not given an opportunity to understand what the, what the cigar was. So um, I think a lot of retailers would love to be the first line of defense as mm -hmm. far as information goes. And a lot mm -hmm. of our companies are very good about that. And I'm not saying that it's like, um, I, I'll, I'll give Warped a little bit of praise uh, just because it's right off the top of my head. They have a new cigar coming out, uh, Devil's Hand. Yeah. We got an email about it as a retailer laying out exactly what it was, what the box count was, how much it cost, what the blend makeup was, what he was going for with it, story behind it, artwork, everything. We read that article. We went, cool. And about six hours later is when it hit the news, the news cycle. That gave us the opportunity for when we have a warped fan that wants to know what this new hotness that, that Kyle's coming out with um, is all about. Then I have some, some information to give him, <laughs> even though I haven't tried it yet. Uh, and if all possible, you know, we love to try things before um, they come in. Because that, that that and that's where the trade show really is a big tool for us because we truly get to try stuff before the market gets it. Mm -hmm. And that is a very, very big tool. I'll tell you what, like that stuff that uh that Bellato is coming out with, mm -hmm. that stuff is fire. And I wasn't sure what it was going to be because we loved La Barba and I was like, Well, okay, so he's doing a thing off of art. No, this is a whole different realm. And I get to tell people that and I get to hype that up a little bit before it comes in because it's not in yet. But um, that stuff's going to be nuts. And I know that as a retailer. And that is a that is a valuable, valuable tool for us to know things before the rest of the market does, because ultimately it's we're going to be the hands that give it to people. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? so. And for that reason, we're very protective of our customers and what we give them. We only bring in new brands twice a year. We only bring in if new that. brands at PCA and TPE. If That's that. it. If that. Yeah. So we'll get it at one trade show. We'll smoke it for a while. We have some people here that we give it to. They smoke it for a while. And then we make a decision at the next trade show if we're still interested. Then we'll look at bringing them in at that point. But there's, what, like six, eight months between the two trade shows? Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the process... Reps coming in and sitting down and saying, here, try my cigar. Okay, do you want to bring in an order? My answer is always going to be no. Mm -hmm. We never bring in anything on the spot because we have to give it time. We have to let people try it. We have to know that we can put our full weight behind the company and we can support them. We watch their social media. We watch how they interact with customers. There's there's a whole, there's a whole package that goes Whatever. along with the cigars that get to come into our humidor. One of our most successful brands that we've ever brought in, it took us two years to bring them in. Oh gosh, yeah. Sebastian, Sebastian. and Eileen, the Cavalier, like we, mm -hmm. we we went back and forth on that for a while. And then finally, I finally was able to visualize how we would be able to sell that and like the, the story behind it and the person and all that stuff. And then we brought it in. It was our It was our fastest growing brand we've ever brought in from the beginning. Now we have we have brands that sell more, but it took long periods of time to get them there. But I mean, Cavalier was like instantaneous. We've been looking at Placencia for three years. Yeah, and they're not a new brand. They they they're don't they don't brand. need our little shop. No. But we still we but still. But that's the process that it's gone through. We can't just bring in 
We can't bring in a cigar brand. Well, here, Dapper's a good example. Uh We can't bring... I love La Madrina, like one of my favorite, favorite cigars. But I brought it to him and was... I was like, well, I like this cigar. He goes, I cannot bring an entire cigar brand because you like one cigar. We can't just put one... If they have a whole a whole slew of cigars, you can't just bring in one box of one cigar and be like, look, we have a brand. Like, that's not how it works. You have to fully display the whole catalog. So we tried everything. So we tried everything for a very long time. And then what, two years ago at PCA, we finally placed an order with Ian. And And so, and it's gone great, but it just, it takes some time. So it takes some time to grow. We're, we're a very frustrating process for a lot of reps. Oh yeah, reps get really, really frustrated with us. <laughs> no, but I think like that's good to to hear because, like I said, you know, there's this always this assumption, just like retailers just have this abundant space and this money, like you said, throughout the year to just buy stuff. And it's like I've, as I've talked to more retailers over the years, it's, it's kind of like that's not the case. But sometimes when I'm speaking to other manufacturers, um, some of them like really think like, you know, like, well, we could just, you know, we're going to sell throughout the year and, and, you know, and the whole thing about the press releases, because it's nice to hear that you're kind of frustrated with the press release (laughs) handling too, because sometimes I am as well, because it's just, it's not really like a well-executed plan, you know, because it's like everybody gets the same press release at one time. (laughs) And then like 24 hours, there's all this excitement behind it. And then the next day you're like, wait, that was, there was something like new yesterday. And like, oh yeah. And then you get another press release, you know, six months later saying, okay, it's finally ready to ship. And you're like, and like, as a media person, you're just like, well, who cares if it's getting ready to ship now? It's like, you know, that's not, but the fact that they're not coming to you first with that information, because like you said, Ian, like you're having to be the ones to sell this stuff. So it makes sense if a, if one of your consumers comes in and they've, you know, they're following these different media sites and they go, wow, like, you know, XYZ cigar brand just announced their new stuff. Are you all going to bring it? And you're like, I have stuff to do today. I haven't had time to like, you know, read emails or follow, you know, sit down for an hour and scroll through stuff. Like, I don't know. And that probably makes you mad a little bit that you're like, they're going to expect me to buy it. And yet they didn't do the courtesy of, of helping me understand what this thing is. And it's just a courtesy thing. It's just right. like hold on for like an hour or two or send it out a day before, give you time to kind of get, you know, your idea. And I think I say also like, you know, have a sample ready to send to the retailer to, to try so that because reading about it, you know, one of the things that I always complain about on Deep Cuts, which people are probably tired of now is like, you know, the ratings and stuff, because ratings for me is like based on one person's palate. So one person can smoke a cigar and say, you know, this has like notes of, of cedar and, and, you know, almond and stuff like that. And then you smoke it and you're like, I have no idea where, where that's come from. And so it's all subjective, but you know, you probably trust your retailer or whoever you're going to buy it from, um, to know, especially in this cigar industry, um, you would trust your tobacconist to, to know what they're talking about and to, and you've purchased things from them before that relationship is there. The consumer doesn't always have a relationship with the brand owner to know they might like it, like I said, personality wise, but mm-hmm. it's just crazy to, to hear that you all have to, to struggle with, with just, you know, <laughs> that communication part 
which we've always said is the issue in the industry is communication. Well, we have a lot. I mean, our, our shop is based around the cigar nerd mm-hmm. side of the industry. Like we are all of our people. Like I didn't realize it was a weird thing that every customer wants to know the blend makeup <laughs> of everything that they're smoking. Um, but we have some pretty nerdy customers, which is great because I'm kind of nerdy about it too. So we get Mm -hmm. to jam on things, but because they're nerdy, they pay attention. And because they pay attention, you can't just be like, yeah, it's great. (laughs) Or yeah, it's coming. (laughs) Like you have, you have to give them a little bit more than that because they, um, they require more, a little bit more than just like, Hey, just smoke it. (laughs) Because, uh, when when you're nerdy about something, you want to know all the the nuts and bolts. We won't give them a date of when it's going to show up either. Like oh, yeah. it we comes, doing that. <laughs> it comes, and we let it sit for a couple of days. We do what we need to with it, and then it eventually rolls out into the shop, and then it rolls out online. We stopped giving people dates of when things were going to get delivered a long time ago. That just was horrible. That backfired every <laughs> time we did it. It was awful. So. Right. That's great that they say it's shipping. That does not mean we're getting it next week. So they have their way. Manufacturers have their way. Distributors have their way. We get it when we get it. We'll let you know when it's here. So. Yeah, and I know that, you know, I follow you all on Instagram. And I know that when you follow you all, you all will announce, like, new in the store, you know, or, you know, right. here's a pack. And I look for that kind of stuff because sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, it's like they have like a cool sample pack put together and or, you know, or or this new cigar that I know is kind of like in the boutique kind of, you know, area that I was like, Oh, and I, I've ordered a a couple of things from you all. So I know that that's like, I think that's a good use, like, or or good statement to make that. Like you said, sometimes when the manufacturer says it's shipping, that doesn't mean like the next day, like it's like, you know, it's not like Nintendo or something like when they say something's going to be available on Friday, it's been shipped. It's ready to go at, at Target or Best Buy. Like it's there. Like this is a completely different industry and different right. mechanics. A lot of, I think a lot of customers don't understand the process of what it takes to get it from the factory through customs. Like the process, it's got to go from being rolled to sitting to being boxed up in the factory to being marked, to finding out if there's room on the cargo plane to get it on the plane. Like, did they get their slot that they wanted, that they bought? And then it's got to get to the States. It's got to go through customs. Well, did customs jack it up? Did customs lose it? Did it sit on whatever for a while? And then it's got to go to the distributor or whatever. Well, they have to count it. They have to enter it in. And then they have to divide it up. They have to put it in our boxes so that it can actually come to us. Then it's got a week to get to us because everything takes a week in Texas. So, and then we actually have to unbox it. We have to inventory it. We have to take pictures. We have to do all of our things. And then it can be on the shelf. Like it's sometimes a two week process. Sometimes it's a month. We have no control over that. And then we have hurricanes that hit us and terrible weather and things get lost and things get delayed. And yeah, no, I'm not giving a date anymore. Ever again. Never again. (laughs) You were mentioning my last question about product is, um, you, you were mentioning how you have cigar nerds in your store who want to know like that, the breakdown of the, the blend, like what's in the blend. Um, but how important is, is it for these products to have a story 
or the brands to have a story and for you to know it like is that important is it like a balance between the two do you find more customers coming in saying um i know it's like i said it's different for each store so do you have more customers coming in saying that they are looking for a, a mexican san andreas wrapper type cigar or a cigar that has like these flavor notes or are they kind of trusting you to kind of tell them like maybe like a little story behind like the cavalier brand I think so, one of the things that I've so I've cool. learned as as a tobacconist um, over the last five years is that you have to know what audience you're talking to. Mm -hmm. um, there are some guys that just want to want a cigar, um, <laughs> um, and ladies, they just want a cigar. They just want something in a profile, light, creamy, heavy, peppery, that type of stuff. They don't want to know much about it. And then there's another large portion of people that want to know a little bit more about it, uh, specifically what it is. And then there's another section that builds on that and kind of love to hear why Nick Malolo should be a household name. <laughs> um, why, uh, what makes, what makes the relationship between Aganorsa and Illusione and Warped so interesting mm -hmm. is that these three cigar makers essentially take the same tobaccos and have completely different you know results in the the cigars that they make um some some and there are people that want to know those things and so i think that if i if i could give advice from my small amount of experience is that be prepared for the last group and know when to pare it down for the first group. Mm -hmm. um, because some people are just coming in to get a cigar and leave. They're like, hey, man, I didn't want to have a 20-minute conversation about this one cigar. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I did. Um, <laughs> some of our customers like the story behind things. Oh, yeah. So, like, we we are carrying the cipher from Jeremy Castagli. And that's it has an incredible story that I still have to learn completely all in order. But... It's going to be a, it's going to be a cool story to be able to tell and it's going to make the cigar sell that much better because there's such a strong history and story behind it. Uh, mm -hmm. Same with Warped, all of Warped cigars, all Kyle's stuff has has stories behind it. So it's kind of like, oh, it's your favorite cigar. Here's a little story about why Kyle made it. Like once you get them bought into it, it kind of gives them a little bit more to sink their teeth into and then some cigars take on a story for themselves right we we Absolutely. have uh memento mori memento from black mori, label yeah. training company has become an unfortunate um not celebratory cigar but a cigar that we smoke with some people in our shop that unfortunately are going through some health issues yep and um stuff that's not cigar related but but cancer and and other things mm -hmm. And that cigar takes on a whole story for itself when you're when you're understanding the name Memento Mori um, that loosely translates into live. You know, live you're your not promised. Life. You're not promised tomorrow type thing. Live your best life. Yeah. So um, I think the stories behind these cigars are important. Um, and depending on the customer, um, you being able to um intelligently and passionately communicate that story is, is is incredibly important and it's even better when the owner of the company can come in and oh yeah talk to the people about 
there's they can tell their actual story because they'll I mean the author of it's always better than a copy of it we can try but we're gonna miss the details when James comes in and is able to tell the story of Memento Mori and stuff like that yeah I don't talk much always, during events yeah I just let the, we just let the principals do it yeah. so because they're gonna tell it better than we can they're gonna rep their cigars better than we can so yeah well as we close out the show there's usually two questions I like to ask all the guests um, the first of those questions is what is your why? So what do, why do you do what you do? For the community aspect of it, cigars can lead to great conversations and even better relationships. So never really was about the cigars itself. It was about building a community and finding a place that everybody could hang out and be a family. I think piggyback, I think, I think definitely that, but for me, the way that my brain works, I'm a collector by nature mm. and what the, the industry, this industry has allowed me to do is to channel that collector aspect mm -hmm. of myself and mm -hmm. be able to create a career where I can have a lot of fun doing what I'm doing uh, and work really hard and not notice that the two are intertwined. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I can be a very good tobacconist by just simply channeling this idea that I'm a collector and I like to know things about the things that I have and um, the, you know, being able to tell people about it and stuff like that. So it's very exciting. Um, a good portion of the of every year is just a very exciting time because we get to talk about either new stuff or things that we've had for a while and get to get to be passionate about it and that, that it keeps kind of re, kind of reviving that uh very very often it's easy to share what you love mm -hmm. definitely so. um the last question is uh somebody comes to youtube they obviously see that you all have been in the industry or you kind of own your own business um they want advice on getting started being an entrepreneur or getting launching their own business what right. one to can each of you offer that person who's listening to this or watching and thinking that they have an idea for a business, but they're not sure where to get started? How do they, what's your one tip for them to get started? It's not something that we did, but I'll tell you that after 2020, um, not related to COVID. <laughs> My one tip is that if you're going to be, if you're going to open a shop like what we do, um, Go to Nicaragua, the Dominican mm -hmm. Republic, and do a factory tour. See what it really is that you are selling in your store because it will change how the responsibility that you have to do this well. Uh, when you see all the families, all the people, all the time and the, and the effort and the creativity and the beautiful uh, tradition that we as retailers get to be the last step of. Mm -hmm. um, if, if, if I had to start again, my first thing that I would do before I started looking for a space or I started talking about products is that I would book a trip yeah. to Esteli or Donnelly, Honduras, something, and go see what it really is to do uh, this industry, uh, premium tobacco. Yeah. Mine's the same answer. Like no, 
know what it takes so that you can understand the full process. Know, know the lives that are being affected by you opening a shop and being able to sell cigars. Yep. Awesome. Well, can you tell people what website they need to visit and what Instagram they need to follow or any other social media? Because there's some people who are going to be just listening to this. So they haven't seen the banner that's been up the whole show. Right. <laughs> now, can you share that kind of information? And also, since you have a physical store and presence, can you tell people where your new location is? Right. Yeah. So we're, our website is smokersabbeyaustin.com. So we have a virtual humidor that has all of our cigars um, and pipes, pipe tobacco. Um, online also tells our story a little bit about where we are. It kind of connects the three stores, four stores together. We have four now. Um, and then Instagram is at Smokers Abbey Austin. Same thing for Facebook. It's all the same. We also have a uh, Facebook group that is uh, down at the Abbey. So it's an invite only, but we, as long as you're in the cigar industry, you like cigars, then we'll let you in. Um, and then our store is in uh, Northwest Austin in Cedar Park. Uh, it's about 20 miles west of downtown. So, um, yeah, our grand opening, grand reopenings this weekend. Mm -hmm. So Friday night we have Ovea Negra, our family reunion. Um, they were our first uh, event in our old shop, and so it only felt right to have them be the first event in our new shop. So we'll have all of those cigars and then um, Saturday is a all day party. So we'll have multiple reps and brand owners and all kinds of stuff here, walking people through the humidor and just kind of hanging out. Well, awesome. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on today. And uh, I want to thank everyone for watching. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, just make sure you hit that like or subscribe button. And if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms like, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or uh, iHeartRadio, just make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review because I always say that there's always room for improvement. And you're not going to hurt my feelings if there's something you feel like I can improve on. And also, if you feel like there's something that you liked, um, also leave that in the comment because that's always good feedback as well. Um, so we have another show next week with another retailer that's from Texas, uh, Brandon and Dave from Industrial Cigar Company. So um, it's another Texas retailer, but I'm sure that they'll have a completely different story and experience from you two. So it'll be interesting. I think I might ask them about the ventilation now that you brought it up to see what they have to say about ventilation. Um, and uh, yeah. And if you miss any of this show or any of the other episodes, there's over a hundred now. So you have plenty to catch up on, you can catch up on uh, all the episodes at deepcutslive.com. Um, so thank you so much. And like I said, another thank you to our guest today for coming on and spending an, an hour and three seconds with us. Uh, <laughs> very enjoyable. And we'll have to have you back on at some point uh, to talk about some more retail stuff. Sounds good. Thank Sounds you. Great, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Until next time, everybody.